And I want to preach today from the book of, uh, the book of Elijah. There isn't the book of Elijah. Turn to 1 Kings 17. <laughs> 1 Kings 17. We're carrying on with Elijah today. And um, I, uh, is anybody enjoying this series, yeah? yeah? Getting something out of it? I am loving getting into the life of Elijah. I just believe um, it's just a really prophetic word for us in the church. And... Um, so again, I want us, you know, to be encouraged to dress up for Sunday. I'm not talking about putting on a suit and a tie. I'm talking about putting on an attitude. I'm talking about putting on something on the inside that shines through in the way we praise God, the way we greet people, the way we love on people, the way we serve people, the way we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And um, so as we get into today, <coughs> um, we're starting to get into uh, I think some of the supernatural aspects of Elijah's life. So you're ready today. You got your seatbelt on? Got your catchers out? Yeah. 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to read loads of scripture here from 1 all the way down to verse 16. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And this is something that happens all the way through his life. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. And I want to encourage us that we have a hunger and a passion for God that we say, God, let your word come to me today in Jesus' name. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll divide things in your life. It'll bring breakthrough. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. When his word comes, God comes. When his word comes, the power of God comes. When his word comes, the anointing comes. When his word comes, freedom comes. When his word comes, healing comes. When his word comes, financial abundance comes. When his word comes, marriage restoration comes. When his word comes, revelation comes. When his word comes, miracles come. When his word comes, the mountains are removed and the valleys are raised up. When his word comes, the walls of Jericho fall down. When his word comes, the fire falls. When his word comes, people are set free. When his word comes, the power of God comes. When his word comes, people are set free. When his word comes, eyes are open. When his word comes, ears are open. When his word comes, the lame walk. When his word comes, when his word comes, when his word comes. When his word comes, there is nothing more important in our lives than hearing the voice of God. Nothing more important. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook um, Chireth, Chireth, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be, it will be. I'm so glad that God doesn't work in maybes. It will be, not maybe. It will be. It will be. And we've got to get this settled in our lives. God is a will-be God, not a maybe God. He's a will-be God. Lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Give and it will be given unto you again. God is a will-be God. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and he did. Oh, there's so much I could bring out of this all the way through this passage. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. 
For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. There it is again. The word came again. And he said, Arise. And go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. (coughs) See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, there she was. She was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, He called to her and said, please bring me some bread in your hand. And so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little bit of oil in a jar. And see, here I am, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Oh, don't you love it? When the word of God comes into your life and says, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Get rid of the anxiety. Get rid of the care. Get rid of the, oh, well, what if it doesn't happen? We serve a will be God. Get rid of the anxiety. Get rid of the worry. Be anxious for nothing. And how do you do that? By praying. If you're not praying, you're going to worry. If you're praying, you're not going to worry. I know which one I want. Amen? Come on. This is good stuff this morning. Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake cake from it first. Everybody say first. First and bring it to me and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day, (coughs) excuse me, the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so he went away and he died did according to the word of Elijah. Sorry, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and he and her household ate for many days, actually for three and a half years. The bin of flour was not used up nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah and I could turn around and say according to the word of the Lord he spoke by Tim according to the word of the Lord he spoke by Esther according to the word of the Lord he spoke by Yinka according to the word of the Lord he spoke by Elton you can put your name in there God does his word according to who speaks it God does his word according to who speaks it Today, I want to talk about living in God's abundance. (coughs) Living in God's abundance. God is an abundant God. He's not a stingy God. He's not a poverty God. He's not a lack insufficiency. There's not enough. There's never enough God. God is the God of more than enough. 
He's the God that no matter what you're facing or whatever the circumstances are around you, God can come right into the middle of it and cause you to be in abundance and overflow and excel and meet the needs of the people around you in a supernatural way. Can I hear an amen this morning? So I want to talk about living in God's abundance. This is the first of the accounts of the breakthroughs, apart from the rain stopping, that we find in Elijah's life through this three and a half year period where God turns around a nation. <clears throat> and I don't think it's any coincidence that God begins with a breakthrough of provision. It's where he starts. See, God is interested in your and my position in life. He's interested in our sufficiency. One of the greatest ways that God shows himself strong is by providing when there's no hope. He provides when there is no way out. This is where God starts. It's the first thing. He said, I just want to get one thing straight. I'm a God of abundance. I want to get one thing straight here. Even though there's famine in the land, Isaac, you're going to sow and reap a hundredfold when everyone else is going down the tubes. I want to get one thing straight. Those who stick to me are going to shine in a generation. I want to get this one thing straight as we start this three and a half year period. Um, Elijah, I want to show you one thing, that I'm the God of the abundance. And that whoever hooks up with you, whoever you bless, I'm going to bless them. Whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless them. You see, the enemy wants to get, wants to do everything he can to get out of our experience the provision of God. He wants us to rely upon our own jobs. He wants us to rely upon our own education. He wants us to rely upon our own ability to get wealth. And the word of God, I believe to his church, is when you get into the land, do not forget, it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. Do not forget, it's the favour of God, it's the grace of God, it's tithing, it's offerings, it's meeting the needs of people, it's serving people. Don't rely upon your own ability. Don't rely upon your own savings. Don't rely upon your own pension. Those things are all brilliant and they're wise and we should be doing them. But those things are not our source. The God of abundance is our source. The God of abundance is our provider. My God provides all my needs. Not my bank, not my pension, not my job, not my parents. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. My God, my God, my God, the God of abundance. The God of breakthroughs, the God of miracles, my God, not that God, my God, my experience, my breakthrough. I sow, God provides my needs. I speak, God provides the ravens. I move, God causes the brook to feed my life. My needs are met by my God. And we got to stick our, park our car right there. We got to put our tent in the breakthrough land. My God, do not put your trust in horses. Now, that's a Bible verse. 
I know you probably ain't got a horse. Sharon grew up with horses. She had to put her, her trust in the horse. She didn't have to get out in the morning and start the car and believe God. She just got on the horse and went to school. That's what she did. Do not put your trust in horses. <laughs> Where did that come from? That ain't in my notes. The point is, put your trust in God. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this this morning. Because when you put your trust in the God of the breakthrough, when he's your provider, you can laugh at the plans of the enemy. In Jesus' name. First point today, there is always a journey towards abundance. There's a journey. Abundance is not a moment, it's a lifestyle. Abundance is not, oh wow, I got one miracle. You're not going to live the rest of your life off of one, one breakthrough of God. In fact, the breakthroughs of God are there because we're not living in the harvest. So what is the breakthrough for? The breakthrough is not to set you up to live in the good of the breakthrough. The breakthrough is there to give you some seed to sow. Hello? That's what the breakthrough's for. That's what the move of God is for, is to set you up into the place where you can become a distribution center. That's what the breakthrough's for. So there's a journey. Everybody say journey. Yeah. A journey towards abundance. There's a journey. Straight after this incredible prophetic word that he speaks to Ahab, there shall not be dew nor rain until I say so. Straight away the word of God comes in and says, leave. You need to know where to be. You need to know where you're supposed to be. I don't want to be in the wrong place. I want to be in the right place. I want to be right where God wants me to be. See, some people want the abundance of God, but they're not prepared to move where God is sending them to go. They want to stay in the lifestyle that they live in but they want the abundance that's found over there. If you want the abundance that's found over there, you've got to move your tent. You've got to move to where God is. Straight after he was launched onto the world stage, I mean, this is the most public, okay, it was a private word, but he's gone in, he's spoken to the king, he's on the world stage. He could have thought, wow, this is it. I'm just going to live in a palace now because I'm leading the nation. But the word came straight to him and said, now get out to the backside of the desert, really. Get out where nobody can see you. Why? Because there's a transition that needs to happen on the inside. There's a, tr a transition that needs to happen on the inside, if we're going to handle the abundance of God, we need to be people who can handle the abundance of God. 
I've heard so many Christians over the years, oh, no, God, you know, I don't want that. Oh, he, he who desires to be rich will fall into many temptations and trials. Absolutely the word of God. Absolutely the word of God. But that has to do with what your focus is on. Yeah. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. You've got a problem. You've got a focus problem. You've got a lordship problem. You've got a lordship problem. Money is still your lord if you're chasing after it. We chase after God and we have a desire to bless. Amen? Now, I know my inheritance, wealth and abundance. I mean, that's not what I'm preaching about today. I know my inheritance, but my passion is for God. Passion's not for wealth, passion's for God. Enjoying the wealth. that's, That's how this works. See, but there's a work to do on the inside of us in order to handle what we experience. It is no coincidence. I can't remember the percentages. They've done studies on this. The people who win the lottery, lottery-minded people. Quite a pathetic lifestyle. Seriously. Quite a pathetic lifestyle. Living, scraping around, putting all their hope on a scratch card. It's no way to live a life. Oh, one day, one day, this will change everything. Yeah, it'll kill you when it comes. Seriously, it'll kill you when it comes. And that's borne out with the facts, with the statistics. Over 95% of people, I can't remember all the exact statistics, over 95% of people are in a worse position after five years than they were before they won the lottery. It destroys them. Why? Because they don't have the character. They don't have the wisdom. They're they're scratch card people. I'm being blunt here. Is this all right? I mean, I ain't got time here this morning. You got to get with me or not. Scratch card people cannot handle wealth. That's why they're scratch card people. There's got to be wisdom on the inside that says, you know what? I'm going to build my life today and I'm going to build my life tomorrow and I'm going to build my life the next day and I'm going to walk from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. I'm not just going to live in a downward spiral expecting some kind of breakthrough from a scratch card. Hello? Good stewards, be faithful with the little, you will be made ruler over much. Being faithful with the little is not spending it on a scratch card. Oh, mate, come on. There is a journey. And it's very interesting, God commanded Elijah to hide himself. Isn't that amazing? Go and hide. Go and hide. That word hide, you know, it's a really deep word. It means this, hide. (laughs) Go hide. Ever played hide and seek? (laughs) A couple of years ago, we got into this thing around Christmas time. We had some family round. And they said, let's play hide and seek in the dark. And you turn out every light in the place. You've got to do it at night. So we were doing it like midnight. Turn out every light. 
pull down every blind, curtains closed, the whole bit. I mean, you can't see your hand in front of your face, really. Your eyes get a little bit used to it. And then hide somewhere. And there are people hiding, you know, under the sink and uh, hiding on top of wardrobes and hiding in the loft. And you can't see anybody. And you're walking around like this trying to find people. It's hilarious. But hide means hide. Hide means hide. But it's not hiding in fear. It's not hiding in fear. It's hiding under the shadow of the wings of Almighty God. It's positioning yourself in a place where this is me and God. Me and God. January is a great month to do that. Praying and fasting. Hide with God. You know how the Bible tells, you, tells us to fast? It says, go into your inner room, close the door, shut everybody else, hide with God. Hide with God. And this is what was happening to Elijah. It was hiding like you'd put a a precious thing in a special place. It's hiding. It means to conceal. It means to, to keep protected. It means to be separated. Hidden for God. Now he told him to hide somewhere very special. He told him to hide by the brook. Chereth, Kereth, however you pronounce it, forgive me. And that word is a very powerful word in the Bible. You academy students will know all about this word. Now you're racking your brains going, oh no, oh no, don't test me, don't ask me to put my hand up and tell everybody. It comes from the word covenant. It means the word covenant, it means to cut. And he's saying, I want you to go and hide in your covenant relationship that you have with the Father. Hide in the promises. Hide in the blood. Hide in that foundational place where you have a relationship with the Father. You see... In that place, no one else may know where to find you. But God knows where you are. And the ravens know where you are. Oh my God, if I'm not pushing myself forwards, how am I ever going to be noticed? Because God knows where you are. He knows where to find you. See, if you're going to promote yourself, then God's going to go off being involved with somebody else. But if you hide in the secret place... God's going to see to it that he opens any door he needs to open. You don't need to open your own doors. Amen? Come on, you're getting anything out of this this morning. God knows where you live. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you're having to fight through. But make sure you're standing on your covenant. Make sure you're standing on the name of Jesus Christ. Make sure you're walking in the blood. Because that's where God moves. Now God is always leading us on a journey. From one place of victory to the next place of victory. So the first thing he needed to learn was this. The ravens and the brook are not his source. They were what God used for a season. 
And we are people, you know, all of us are like the rest of us. We find it so easy when there's a bit of breakthrough, when there's a bit of something, all of a sudden that becomes our strength. Oh, God did this last year and look what he started for me and look what he did for me. And and that's a source, perhaps it's a source of financial income. Oh, God, look what you did. Bang, we had a situation a couple of years ago where there was a new source of financial income into our lives. It's like, wow, thank you, God. And it was like, wow. And then then the brook dried up. Hello? Then the brook dried up. You say, oh, God, but the brook. Hey, it's not the brook is Jehovah Jireh. No, God, Jehovah Jireh, used the brook for a period of time. But that's not where our faith is. So whether the brook is flowing or whether the brook dries up, nothing's changed. Hello? Come on, I'm preaching better than you responded this morning. This is life-changing. Oh, Pastor Jay, I've lost my job. Get another one. The brook dried up. Can can I be that blunt? If our world falls apart because the job closes, then what are we standing on? What are we standing on? Jehovah Jireh or so-and-so, so-and-so incorporated? What are we standing on? Where's our faith? Where's our expectation? The brook dried up. We've all been through, I'm sure, seasons where the brook dried up. The brook dried up. Very interesting to me, God didn't tell him. Now, the brook's about to dry up, as um, Elijah, so before it dries up, move. He didn't. He said, I want to see what's inside of you. So let's just let the brook dry up and then see what happens, shall we? You see, I'm a victory preacher. I'm a breakthrough preacher. I'm a, all things will work together for good, and that's not some cop-out that even when it's all tough, oh, okay, sirrah, sirrah, that's not what I, it's like, no, we're turning this thing around in Jesus' name. But there are times that the brook dries up because God doesn't want to keep you living next to a brook in the backside of a desert being fed by ravens. That's not where he wants to keep you. He wants to put you in a place where you're providing for others, not just where some bird drops something in your mouth. He does not want us to live a life of manna and quail. Manna and quail was not the will of God. It was the result of a disobedient people. Now, thank God, manna and quail came to while they were in the desert. That was only supposed to be for a few days. It ended up being for 40 years. Oh, their shoes didn't wear out. Come on, how many people have bought a new pair of shoes in the last couple of years? Anything, trainers or whatever, yeah, we have. Whether you needed them or not, you bought them. There's people in this room with 100 pairs of shoes. Everyone's looking like, oh, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Their clothes didn't wear out. Anybody bought a new jumper or a new T-shirt or a new something in the last couple of years? Whether you needed it or not, you just wanted a change? 
There's nothing worse than wearing the same stuff for 40 years. <laughs> Guys, I mean, I say to Sharon, you know, so many times, oh, Sharon, you look lovely this evening. You look nice. Well, I said to you the other day, I said, well, that's a, is that a, a, a new dress? And she just said, oh, I haven't worn it for a very long time. <laughs> Something like that, wasn't it? Was that right? You see, I noticed these things. Little. <laughs> Come on. Just saying. After 32 years of marriage. Come on, I still notice. <laughs> Fancy being in the desert for 40 years. Darling, you look nice tonight. <laughs> Been wearing the same flipping thing for the last 40 years. <laughs> what do you mean I look nice? Well, it's, it's what's on the inside that matters. <laughs> the brook and the ravens were for a season they weren't for a lifetime I'm glad the brook dried up because the brook was part of a journey oh Pastor Joe will you pray for me this job's, the job the job's gone or the job this the job that fantastic Fantastic, it means you're not camping. It means you're not stuck. It means you've got a new opportunity. You've got a new door opening to you. Why do we want to live such boring lives? Same old, same old security. Now, you know, in my parents' generation, my dad was in the same job for like 40 years. When I, you know, before I started planting churches, I was in the same job for seven, eight years. And if I hadn't planted churches, I probably would have been there for 30 years. And I get there's a generational thing about changing and moving and whatever else. But you know what? Our security is not in our job. Our security is not in the brook. Our security is not in the ravens. Our security is not in that particular thing that seems to be working right now. And I don't know what 2020 holds for you, but I pray it's exciting. I pray it's exciting. Oh, wow, another opportunity to believe God because the brook's dried up. Wonderful, because you're going from the place of ravens and birds spit and meat out of ground. Yuck, where did that come from? I don't want to be fed out some mouth of a raven. Unless that's the thing for the season. Paul said, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. In any situation, nothing moves me. Nothing moves me. I'm bigger than my circumstances. I'm bigger. I'm bigger than this. I'm not dependent on this. My dependence, my security is in God. My confidence is in God. The brook dried. Everybody say the brook dried up. Okay, because the brook was not Elijah's source. And God said, arise. See, when one door shuts, we got to get up. It's a time, it's a sign that I've got to go higher. Promotion is on its way. Promotion is on its way. The brook's dried up, I'm going higher. But what people, what, what people who are, I use a scriptural expression, who are carnally minded think is this. When the brook dries up, we're going down. Hello? When the brook's dried up, oh, we're going down. We're going down. No, when the brook dries up, hey, we're going up. We're going higher. When the brook dries up, oh man, the pounds change. We're going higher. 
You see, do you see change as something that God's going to use to propel you? Or do you see change as something that the enemy's going to use to destroy you? Which one do you look at? Look for promotion. Look for the opportunity in every circumstance. God said, arise, get up, go higher. Don't wallow around in a dried up riverbed. Trying to scrape the last, oh, there's got to be some water here somewhere. It's dried. (laughs) Move on. Move on. Move on. Don't live in a past miracle as though the miracle's your source. And he said, arise. I've got so much I'd love to say. I'm, I'm, I'm just out of time. I've hardly started. He said, arise and go to Zarephath. What does Zarephath mean? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. It means <laughs> refining. See, God knows what he's doing. The brook dried up, it's a refining moment. It's a refining moment. It's it's something that God has ordained for you to be better. For me to be better. Fine tuning. I'm so glad, you know, I I saw the band this morning. They all practiced, they all did their sound check. And they all tune their guitars before the sound check. And then just before, some of you probably didn't really notice, but some of you, just before we kicked off the service, it was down to two minutes, I saw the bass player up here, and he was tuning again. Hang on a minute, you tuned an hour ago. Why do you need to do it again? Because there's always fine tuning to do in your life. There's always, ah, I tuned up last year. It's time for another tune up. Time for another tune-up. Fine-tuning in your life is vitally important. (coughs) You see, it's a maturing season. It's not just a season to survive. It's a season to be a blessing. That's where we're moving into. And God's best is for us to grow up and live in the overflow. Grow up and live in the overflow. Not just live in the miracle. We have really got to get rid of a miracle mentality. We've got to get rid of it. Miracles are for one reason only, because we're not living in the harvest. And they're great to get us to the place where we can move into the overflow. That's what miracles are for. God, I need a miracle. God's a God of miracles. We're believing God for miracles, signs and wonders this year. But I pray to God it's the last, it's the last one we ever need. Yeah. That, that, I've said that for 30 years and it's upset people every time I say it. Jesus never needed a miracle, but he gave away loads. You see, God wants us to learn how to walk in his abundance. To be a distribution center. And it's interesting, he said, arise and go to Zarephath and dwell there, not hide there. You hide in the place 
where it's, okay, God, I want you to teach me. I want you to learn me, uh, to teach me stuff. I want to learn. I want to be strengthened on the inside. I want to get hold of how you do things. I want to get hold of the fact that you're my provider, not the ravens. I want to be, I want to be strengthened here. But when we start to move into the place where God is going to show himself strong on behalf of you to other people, that's the place to live. That's the place to live. I don't want to live in the place of miracles. I want to live in the place of overflow. Wow. Come on. Let's get hold of this for 2020, amen? It's a new day. It's a new day. So there's a journey that we're on. Number two, very quickly. (coughs) Number two, the command of abundance. There's lots of commanding going on in this passage. God commanded Elijah, get away from here. God commanded the ravens, fantastic. God commanded, he said, I've commanded up in Zarephath, I've commanded this lady to provide for you. God's a commanding God. God's a commanding God. The Bible says where we dwell together in unity, God commands the blessing. Commands the blessing. Lots of commanding going on. And as I was, you know, preparing for this, going through all these passages really about Elijah, I really, I really heard from God, I believe. And I want us to receive this today. Abundance is not a suggestion, it's a command. It's not an option for the people of God. Abundance is not an option. It's not like, well, God has called some people and God hasn't got, no. God's commanded us. God's commanded us to be blessed, to be a blessing. There's a command of abundance. He commanded Elijah. He commanded the ravens. He commanded the widow. He commanded, he said, where you dwell together in unity, God commands the blessing, abundant life. There's a, see, these things are commands from God. They're not suggested, ah, take it or leave it. Healing, take it or leave it. No, healing's a command. Be healed in Jesus' name, it's a command. Holiness, take it or leave it. No, it's a command. We're not under law, we're under grace, but it's a command of God. See, God announced that he commanded this lady to provide for Elijah. Now, I'm so glad that he had learned while he was at the brook that God is his source, not the ravens and not the brook. Why? Because when he arrives in Zarephath, if he had not learned that, he would have looked for the wealthy family. His eyes would have been on the wrong thing. He would have looked for the biggest salary. He would have looked for the greatest return. But instead, he looked for that which God had blessed. Don't look with these eyes. Look with the leading of the Holy Spirit, with a spirit of faith. Why God commanded the widow? Two reasons. Number one, obviously for Elijah's sake, feed him. But number two, for her sake. 
for her sake and for her kids' sake. I mean, they were saying, we're going to eat this and die. This was like the last supper. <laughs> the last meal. We're out of here. This is it. We are done. Not the sort of person you'd normally choose to finance your ministry for three and a half years. <clears throat> but that's what happened. For Elijah's sake and for her sake. See, God is always committed to, to providing for and to anointing for abundance the sower and the reaper. I know the Bible says some people sow and some people reap. One sows and another reaps. But God is committed to the abundance of both. Number three, very quickly. As the band comes up, let's do the band bit, shall we? The process of abundance. There is a process of abundance. So we've had the journey of abundance. You're getting anything out of this today, yeah? There's the journey of abundance. There's the command of abundance. And now there's the process of abundance. You see, it starts with Elijah saying, Can you get me a drink? Very innocuous, very easy to fulfill. Really? It's drought time. Yeah, it's drought time. The brook's dried up. So he's gone straight for the thing which is going to say, how generous are you going to be? And I love the fact, the Bible doesn't tell us how he commanded the woman. I wonder if she even knew she'd been commanded. I don't know. Because sometimes we can be commanded and we've not heard. Wow. Perhaps she'd heard. Perhaps God had turned up and said, okay, I'm going to send you a prophet. And he's going to this, this, and this. And you're going to do this. And you're going to do that. And I'm going to, you know, perhaps all that happened. I don't think so. Because the word came after she'd done all this. And told her what was going on, really. So you know what was happening here? The command had gone out in the spirit. God had given someone an opportunity to come into abundance. And now here comes the test. See, I believe the command is upon each and every one of our lives. The command is there. And how are we going to respond when somebody asks us for a cup of water? See, the command is there. But we've got to tap into it. How, how did the command get released upon her life? Can you bring me a glass of water? Yeah, sure. Didn't even, there was no sort of, oh, don't you know there's a drought? Don't you know it stopped raining? Just, yeah, sure, I'll find some water from somewhere for you. What an incredible attitude of generosity. What an amazing attitude. So she goes off and he says, uh-huh, now I know. I know. Look at this fantastic, this fantastic attitude this lady has. Look at this amazing response she's had. So I'm going to go to the next step now. Oh, hold it. Why are you going to get me a drink? Can you bring me some food as well? Well, that does cause her to sort of stop and sort of go, 
Huh, you know what? All I've got is this. And we're going to eat it and it's going to, and then we're just going to starve. And he says something. This is before he gives the promise of God. He says, first, let me go back to the Bible so I can read it here. Otherwise, goes there first. Please, please bring me some bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour. Da, da, da. I'm gathering some sticks that we may eat and die. Do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord. God's going to provide for your life. And I believe that there is incredible provision for us. More than we've ever dreamt. But there's a first involved. There's always a first involved. God's a first God. And I'll preach back in December about first fruits. We got our first fruits offering in February. But it's more than an offering in the, the beginning of the year. This is a principle. First. First forgive. First, praise God. First, take the log out your own eye. First, bind the strong man. First, bring an offering. That's what the Bible says. All of these are firsts in the Bible. <coughs> bring something to me first. See, he had already found out she had faith in her heart. He'd already, he'd already found that out. This is a woman of faith. Because he said, can you get me a drink? Yeah, sure. In drought? Wow, what a great woman this is. What a great woman. So off she goes. He said, right, now I know I'm operating with faith. I'm going to get some faith released here. First, make me a cake. First, do it. See, there's, there's always a choice. Always a faith choice. The woman had come to the end of herself there was there was no hope she was without hope so often that place when we have a choice am I going God's way or am I going the hopeless way which way am I going I'm going God's way see when you go God's way you're heading for a breakthrough when you go man's way you're heading for starvation Now, I know there was a second voice. This is going to bring some transformation into some lives here today. There's always a second voice that kicks in at the time of faith choice. You know the second voice? You find it all the way through the Bible. The first voice is... Hey, Adam, here's the Garden of Eden. It's all yours except that one. That's the first voice. The second voice, 
eat that one. There's always a second voice. There's always a voice that will counter the first voice. There's the first voice. Your sins are forgiven you. What's the second voice? No one can forgive sins but God alone. I could go through so many passages in the Bible. There's a first voice and a second voice. The first voice, give. The second voice, you can't afford to give. The first voice, lay hands on the sick. The second voice, what if nothing happens? Are you getting anything? The first voice, go and talk to that person. The second voice, oh, you're going to be embarrassed. What have you got to say? There's always the second voice. The first voice here, first make some for me. I can assure you there was a second voice. Feed yourself. I want us to really make a decision this year never to obey the second voice. But always obey the first voice. The first voice is God. The second voice is always the plan of the enemy to undermine the promises of God for your life. We need to rebuke the second voice. See, the first voice says, I'm going to die on the cross. The second voice says, never. You're never going to do this, said Peter. Second voice. What did Jesus do? He rebuked it. Get behind me, second voice. Can I put it like that? Get behind me, second voice. I refuse to obey the second voice. I can think back and think of times I've obeyed the second voice and regretted it. Never ends up well when you obey the second voice. We've got to rebuke it, we've got to resist it, and we've got to disown it. See, there's a process. There's a process. It will always involve a choice of faith. And as we choose faith, obey the word of God every time, first time. As we close today, there's always a breakthrough of abundance. There's a breakthrough of abundance. We know this incredible story more than enough. More than enough, the jar of oil did not run dry. The brook dried up, but the jar of oil didn't. Why? Because the jar of oil was being supplied by Jehovah Jireh. The bin of flour was not used up. I'd love to see some of this stuff. I've seen some most amazing things. There was a, a testimony, and they filmed it. I saw it years ago. They were out, they were out somewhere in another continent. <coughs> it's actually a Catholic outreach. And they were 
and they were feeding starving, a starving situation. And they got this ham. I remember seeing a video of this. This was back in the 80s. Man, if I... And they got this ham. And they just started to cut it. And it went on for months. And months and months and months. It never ran out. Every day, they just cut more off it. And it just never ran out. Jar of oil never ran dry. Bin of flour was never used up. I'd love to know, did they take the lid off and it was full again? Or did they just take out a spoon and it just wasn't going? Did it go down and come up every night? I don't know how they did it. I don't care. God's the God of abundance. You put your faith in the brook... You're going to be scraping around the riverbed. Put your faith in God and you can go through any drought. You can go through any famine. You can go through any downturn in the economy. You can go through any crashing of the house prices. Because that's not where our faith is. Where's your eyes today? Three and a half years until the rain came. God had promised, it was for the whole duration, and it was more than enough. Amazing. As we go into 2020, let's stand to our feet today. (coughs) He's the God of abundance. He's the God of abundance. Perhaps there are some people in this room today and you are living with the second voice. It won't. It can't. You shouldn't. They will. They won't. Perhaps you're living with the second voice here today. Come on, at the start of this year, we've got to make a decision to obey the first voice. Because that's where the blessing is. That's where the abundance is. Come on, how about we close our eyes right now and just lift our hands to God. He is the God of abundance. Lord, we align our lives. God, we align our lives with your word, with your promises, with your journey for our lives. Lord, from this day onwards, we choose to not put our trust in the brook, in the ravens. We put our trust in the Word of God, in the command of God, and in the promise of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have promised, you have commanded the blessing. Father, as we move on into this year, we prophesy over it a year of abundance in Jesus' name. Father, we receive, we believe and receive that we are blessed to be a blessing that there will be many people around our lives whose needs are met. 
Lord, because of their relationship with us. Father, we declare we shall sow in abundance and reap in abundance in Jesus' name. We declare, God, as we put you first, the barns are filled and vats overflow. Father, no matter what happens this year, whatever brook dries up, Lord, we see it as an opportunity for greatness, an opportunity for promotion. Even right now, come on, God's wanting to speak to some people and saying, come on, you've got to take your faith off of that. Your trust off of that and put your faith on the Word of God. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name.